Welcome to the Meet Maastricht podcast. I'm Katrina and together with our resident local Lucy, we will be exploring some of the amazing stories that make Maastricht so special. So sit back, relax and join us as we learn about our favourite Dutch city. Uh, Hello everyone and welcome to episode 19 of the Meet Maastricht podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Uh, do you want to say hello? Hello. <laughs> this is Yuse. You might know him from our special liberation episodes. Uh, we're welcoming him back. Uh, and we're also here with Lucy, as always. How are you, Lucy? Fine. Just <laughs> just dreading the temperatures going up again. But <laughs> um, And does one of you want to introduce our topic for today? Well, I've been uh, asking <laughs> around with the locals about what they would want the experts to learn about Maastricht. And uh, it turned out that everybody wanted them to learn about the Maastricht dialect. And um, I was wondering, as an expert, when do you <laughs> first realize there is a dialect? When yeah. was the first moment for you? I don't know. It's, I think it comes up in a lot of conversations about learning Dutch, mm-hmm. especially in Maastricht, because there's this feeling that, um, yes, I can learn Dutch, but how useful will it be with the local people? Uh, and how much, I imagine, in some places it will really help integrate you into the community and help with that process. But in Maastricht, it feels like just another layer of uh, a barrier between the local community and an expat, just because even if you do learn Dutch as the official language, it's still not enough. It's There's a dialect. And so I'm not sure exactly when I realised that there was a dialect, I guess it, yeah. You just you notice when you look up things about Maastricht as well that thing that the language is an important aspect. I don't and I don't know in your lives is the language is dialect something that's had I guess an significance or is yes of course it it has a significance. I um, only learned to speak Dutch when I was four or five, so when I went to school. Yeah. So up until that moment, you your life is just in dialect. Mm. So for me, whenever somebody speaks dialect, for instance, Lucy, I find it very hard to speak English with her. But I also find it very hard to speak Dutch with her. And if we are with like three or four people and one of them does not speak the dialect, we automatically go into the dialect. Because it's, it's, it's our mother tongue. Yeah. tongue. And it's, it's, um, so it's, it certainly is a language of significance and it's something you learn very early on as a Maastricht boy in my case, mm. that there are people who do not speak the dialect and we should not think less of them. <laughs> <laughs> but we do. <laughs> no, but it's, 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 this, it's this otherness yeah. that's, yeah. that's yeah. created by the dialect. It is also, it is also connected to uh, a sense of place. It is an aspect of the authenticity that many people who are born and raised here will strive for and uh, more or less in a sentimental fashion but um, uh, uh, when I'm speaking for myself but I, I doubt this wouldn't apply to you as well this is, this is, this is also a sense of, of history and what this culture is made of and, mm. and where we come from yeah. but my story is, is 
the opposite. Uh, both my parents were teachers and at the time it was considered more opportune to raise the children in speaking the national language. They were very aware of the dialect being there. They were also very aware that because of the fact that my mother came from Biesland, <laughs> which is now a neighborhood, but was then you know, a couple of farms and definitely outside the walls of Maastricht, so she wasn't supposed to speak the real dialect. You, you can go into the grades in this in a minute because it gets worse. And my father spent part of his childhood in uh, Roermond, where they have a very different dialect, and he was sort of mocked for that his entire life. So he wasn't even, he wasn't, he understood the Maastricht dialect perfectly, yeah. but didn't speak it because of all the mockery going on. People will do that. All of those reasons together was, we will teach the children Dutch, they will learn dialect. And they do, you know, because small kids will just sort of absorb that. Yeah. So when I was in kindergarten, I was translating for the teacher we had who came from the east of the country and didn't understand what the children were saying. Reistartel is a very, very local word for what they call in Dutch a veter, a shoestring. Yeah. So, you know, it's not as if you would, <laughs> as if you would manage to, to accommodate your ears to those differences very quickly. Yeah, well, we had a really interesting um me and my partner experienced when we went out for a socially distanced dinner with some of his work friends. <laughs> and one of them was born and raised in Maastricht. And so we asked him if he knew what Hopin means. I don't think I'm pronouncing it right, but... Hopin. <laughs> Hopin. <laughs> That's popped up a lot um, during COVID. And he didn't know. I don't think he'd seen it around because it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's something we noticed. And we... And then we noticed that underneath it had a translation to Dutch. <laughs> so we're like, what it, it language is it in? <laughs> but it's obviously a dialect, but he had never heard of it. And he also said when we were talking to him that it, it does the written way and the way it's spelt and stuff tends to vary a bit. Is that true? Uh, written as a written down as dialect? As every language does, okay. yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it so? Has it been a written language for a long time, or was it mostly just a spoken language? Can I answer this one? Yes. It was. It was, of course, mostly a spoken language. Um, so the, the the first traces of uh, the dialect we now know as uh, Maastricht is a, a version of uh, Western Limburgish, which is a version of the Nether Frankish uh, language, and it can be traced back to about the year. Uh, 1200. Um, but that's not Maastricht, that's yeah. not the language we speak today. Um, so up until the 60s of the 20th century, people thought that languages changed, but mm. dialects did not. And this is of course not true, because dialects change all the time. The, the first texts that we can describe as directly, um, how do you call it? Gevolg. Uh, so, but the first texts you could say these are Maastrichtian texts are from around 1770. Okay. So that's when people have this this know-how of hey, that it's it's another language, it's another dialect. So we can write things down in this dialect. But then, of course, in in the ages before that people just wrote down in 
Dutch, mm. but there was no Dutch language. People just want, if you write a book mm. in your dialect, yeah. not, not a lot of people are going to read it. <laughs> yeah. And you want people to read it because yeah. you want to make money out of that book, of yeah. course. So you're going to write it in a language that somehow everybody in the Dutch yeah. uh, country could understand. And then you write this kind of ABN, Algemeen Beschaafd Nederlands, <laughs> so it's standard Dutch. Yeah. But then still there are always local differences, yeah. as they are still uh, now. So for instance, um, someone from Holland would use words in Dutch mm-hmm. that we recognize, okay. but would not use. Right. Yeah. Just like you, are, 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 you use words in English that, that I recognize, but I cannot use because yeah, it's yeah. not my and way of speaking. I would say that that's <laughs> applicable no matter where you're from, my partner is from, he grew up in England until he was 10 and then they moved to New Zealand. And I have said words that he has no idea what they mean as someone who grew up in the same place in Australia and we're the same age, we speak the same language, but there are sometimes, sometimes I'll just come out with something or he'll come out with something and we'll be like, I have no idea what that means. And so I imagine in with the difference in language um, that that's even... <laughs> <laughs> exacerbated. Yeah, but, but so language is just a way to communicate with each yeah. other. So it doesn't really matter what whatever you say. No. So, <laughs> so I have a, I make a lot of lots of mistakes in English, and I don't care. I hope the listeners don't yeah. care no. because it's just a way of getting information from my head into the heads of, of other people. And um, you shouldn't think of languages any more than that, actually. Yeah. So if you you can describe the word. Yeah. You've used to your boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um. Or you can use another word. <laughs> sometimes, but sometimes it's very difficult because I think there's a reason words exist. It's like there, there are specific words that, and I know in when you're learning a new language, and I'm sure you find this, both of you, that there'll be a word and they'll be like, oh, it's sort of like this, but it's sort of like that. It's not, there's a reason this word exists. It means this specific thing. The example that I used was the word daggy. I don't know. Do either of you know what that is? (laughs) Uh, It's sort of lame, old-fashioned. If someone's wearing really dad shorts and I would say they're daggy, it's that kind of... It's hard to it's a, it's a hard thing to explain without another with extra words. So I understand language as layers. Yeah. So if you if you speak with a lot of people that come from lots yeah, of yeah. places, you you tend to to make this lingua franca. Yeah. So the this common language that everybody understands, and mm-hmm. uh, you'll see when when people are going to another country it's in, mm-hmm. and and speak a language that they really don't understand a word of <laughs> that they use hands yeah. and they not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they are in India and it doesn't doesn't mean anything and yeah. I think coming to a country where I don't speak the main language main languages I've grown a very deep appreciation for non-verbal communication mm, for, for sure. sure it definitely helps and, um, yeah just the way that you can understand things without uh, without words so yeah can I can I just interject for a moment? We started we started this particular subject with you wondering what hopin means. Are we are we going to explain that to her? Oh, we can explain that because I've I've done some bit of research on hopin. Yes. I'm finally going to learn what. I'm not going to agree. So yeah. So uh, I think this is very very um, particular for for the Maastricht yeah. 
people. Um, Haupin means, well, just um, keep on going on. Uh, yeah, stay strong. Stay strong. Carry on. Like that. Carry on. Yeah. And uh, in Maastricht there is this myth that this comes from the garrison. Garrison? All right. That uh, when they when a siege was going on, that they should use the uh, cannons and then they should load the cannons for the last time and then they should have the pin, which is literally a stoke, um, and they should keep the stoke, whole pin, so that, so that the cannon should keep on blasting. But there were not so many sieges of Maastricht <laughs> that this could have uh, go on to the, uh, the, the normal people of Maastricht. Um, so I read this and I found this very strange and I was like, there are no sources, so where do this, does this come from? And lots of times people just always assume, the Maastricht people assume it has something to do with the garrison. And most of the time it hasn't. So then I was looking around in the uh, vicinity of Maastricht, where does this, this, this phrase uh, derive from? So then, I, of course, I did not only look for how pin, I translated it into Dutch. How pin. And um, the pin is the name we uh, give in uh, the Brabant language. So that's modern day Northern Brabant in the Netherlands. And then the province of Antwerp in Belgium, the province of Belgian Limburg and the province of Flemish Brabant. And there they say pin to the stoke you keep in between two horses. And when these horses go, uh, how do you say it, Opolslaan? Bolt. <laughs> Lucy, you have to keep the stoke. You ah. have to hold them down. So this is a phrase that that has been around in all of Brabant for the 18th, 19th century. It, it still is being said in uh, Tilburg, in which the phrase is "zet de kan neer en pak de pin vast." Houd de pin vast. Zet de kan neer en houd de pin vast. So that that means put down the uh, uh, pitcher and take the stoke. So the, the horses are, are, are just running away from you and you have to keep them down. Okay. So you have to stay strong. Right. So that's, I think that's where it drives from, mostly because yeah. uh, there's lots of parallels in other <laughs> Brabantian towns. Yeah. yeah, that would be, that would support a thesis, of course, yes. I have, I have read an explanation that, uh, that was connected to the canon as well. And that had to do with not using them until the very last moment, but disabling them at the very last moment. Right. So, and that that would take extraordinary courage, of course, to yeah. to uh, stay under fire until the very last moment when yeah. the order to withdraw would come. But I can't point to sources like this. But there's there's <laughs> something else that's strange here because Halve in uh, Maastricht has, has two meanings. It's either to hit someone, homegneet, mm -hmm. don't hit me. Oh, it means keep it. And I believe in how pin, it's hold it. But then there's another phrase in Maastricht, and that is, ik hou de pin erin. Which means I will knock the poke, uh, knock the stoke in. So that's the hitting. Yeah. But that's, again, from something else. That's because of the... Oh, oh turf. Oh. It, is, it, is, it is pretty pretty recently decayed plant material and you can dig it up and, and burn yeah. it. Yeah, I know what you mean, like peat? Yes, yeah, that's right, word. that's the word. <laughs> Digging into my English brain to find the word peat. How do you, how do you say it, people who work there? Are they pit workers, pitch workers? 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, well, peat workers. They um, had to know where they were working. So they had this stokes and they knocked them in. And then on Saturday, or whenever they went home, they had the last stoke. So they knocked the stoke in. And then that, this means, in, in, in Maastricht means um, I'm finished. Okay. I'm going to stop working. Yeah. yeah. And is that something that would be used today? Like, would so, as Yeah, yeah, all the time, oh, all yes, the time. Yes. When my mother calls me and says, are you, are you still working? And then I would say, so I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to stop in a bit. Okay. But both of these do not come from Maastricht. Yeah. Both of these, um, so that that's really, you should not see the Maastricht dialect as something that's on its own. It's no. always very, very, very contextual. Yeah. I know that one of Matthew, my boyfriend, his favorite things is <laughs> uh, asking people what, like sayings, like you're saying, and strange uh, wordplay, like like cat's got your tongue or that kind of, yeah, like sayings. Um, well, that's one example in, in Maastricht. Are there other ones? Oh, loads. Of yeah. Loads, 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 loads. Yeah, you could fill them. van sint do you have any favorites or weird ones that don't sort of translate right? <laughs> well, that's very typical, a, a normal one. And I can, Lucy can think of uh, another one. Um, we say in, in, in every city in the Netherlands, there is a saying there has to go a lot of water through the river. Okay, yeah. Before we, and in Maastricht, we always say there has to be a go a lot of water through the muse. So that's, that's a Maastricht <laughs> yeah. saying that you can translate into English. Yeah. No, that's an easy one. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I haven't thought of anything. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites is uh, So he comes from St. John's, okay. which means he uh, pretends he doesn't know what's going on. Okay. And I have no idea why. <laughs> Maybe Lucy no, does. I was, no, I was, I was having an association right away with St. John's having been how would you say that, annexed by the Protestants when they took the city in the 17th century? But that there's no connection with that meaning at all. So Someone from St. John's just gave them a real bad reputation. <laughs> I, think it, I think it has to do with uh, St. John's night. You know, the, the night that of the devils be. and everything. Yes. And then... Yeah, that might be more. I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's where it comes from originally. Well, of course, we could we could plan a, a podcast sometime just on sayings, yeah. and then and then yeah. we'll gather them and tell the <laughs> stories. Because I know there are some great ones just from uh, all around the world that translate terribly, and it's yeah. it's amazing to hear <laughs> the worst ones. This, I think, it's something that both Lisa and I would, would really like to talk about now, and that's um, the literature in the Maastricht dialect, because. Every city in Europe has a dialect, but not every city has a dialect that is as strong as the Maastricht dialect. And certainly not many cities of the very petite size of yeah. uh, Maastricht. Well, I know like the, the street signs, I think it's almost like if you go to dual language places um, like New Zealand, they'll have Maori and English or Wales, they'll have Welsh and English. A lot of the signs here are in both I guess Dutch and dialect yeah. so it is very visible if you know what you're looking at <laughs> which a lot of people I'm sure do not um, I didn't when I first moved here but yeah the, so there's a, is there a lot of literature in dialect literature a lot a lot loads loads which is very very 
um, strange and amazing. And um, the roots of this literature are with the Belgian Revolution. Oh. Which makes it very interesting, which is also why I wanted to <laughs> talk about this all. Um, so the, when the, uh, Napoleon conquered well, all of Europe, uh, can we say all of Europe? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much all of Europe. Up to Moscow. Yeah, so Napoleon, great guy, not. But um, when he went away, then this, this once in a lifetime chance to um, reorganize all countries. Mm. And they made nations out of these out of most, most of these countries and we, we still live in nations right now one of these nations was the uh, united kingdom of the netherlands which consists of uh, more or less uh, modern day netherlands belgium and luxembourg mm-hmm. and in this new country new nation both the northern netherlands which is basically all of the current-day Netherlands, except for Limburg, yeah. <laughs> and then the southern Netherlands, okay. which is Belgium and Luxembourg. And in the southern Netherlands, there is this other political um, world in which French is way more important, yeah. because everybody spoke French from the 18th century. And Maastricht, as you know, is very close to the big city of Liège, where they speak. French. So French was the most important language in Maastricht from, I think, from 1600 on. Just a bit, yeah. So uh, up until the 20th century, there were lots of lots of people in Maastricht who learned Maastricht and French, who did not care about Dutch. There were lots of people who did not speak Dutch in Maastricht because they knew the dialect. And if someone from Holland came over, then they could tweak the dialect a little just pronounce some words a little different and then they spoke the language. Of course it also helped that in those years, uh, pretty much until after the Second World War, French was the language of international diplomacy anyway. So uh, it, it also functioned as a, as, as a kind of lingua franca, you know, the, the, the language that everybody can use to a certain extent, yeah. the way English does now. So mm-hmm. that, that helped. Because to us now, French is very far away. It's very alien. But a hundred years ago, that was not the case. No, there are lots of... Uh, this was uh, among the elites in Maastricht. It was normal to speak French. Yeah. And um, if you consider that Maastricht and, and Liège were twin cities. Still are in my viewpoint. But yeah. Except um, Liège is the big sister and we yes. are the little one. Right. Um, so the, the Maastricht elite was the same as the Asian elite. Okay. So if sons of uh, the, the Maastricht bankers became banker in, in Liège and vice versa. So this was just the same elite. And then, of course, you speak French. Mm. And this changed uh, the moment of the Belgian Revolution because the Belgian Revolution made that all of the Netherlands, Dutch, Limburg, became Belgian, mm. except for Maastricht, because Maastricht was the Boulevard des Paybas, mm. so the most important uh, fortification of the Netherlands, and you could not give it to the Belgians, and so on and so on. And then in 1839, they signed a peace in London. They decided that Maastricht remained uh, Dutch, mm. and Antwerp could become Belgian. And then the rest of the province of Limburg is just a corridor to Maastricht. Mm. But of course, Maastricht is above the language border. 
so there was no more French as an official language in the Netherlands, yeah. in, this, in this new 1839 country. And this was a problem for the Maastricht because they always had this feeling of we are not Northern Netherlands, we are Southern Netherlands because we speak French. We have this uh, same um, common background as the rest of Belgium, which we would say now. And in, and in many different ways as well, yeah. you know, being primarily Catholic and being primarily used to other kinds of uh, power structures yeah. than something like the United Provinces in right. uh, the Low Countries. So, so they really wanted to remain different. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can still sense this in, in uh, modern day Maastricht, modern day Limburg. We like to say we are different from you. And this worked very well because um, in the rest of the Netherlands, they always say you are different from us. <laughs> And the dialect is one of many, many ways to um, underline this otherness. And it, it's not surprising where does this focus for the dialect come from? From Liege, of course. Mm-hmm. So because the Liegean um, elites were having an interest in Walloon literature. And um, so Walloon is a, a dialect, you could say, of French with lots of old uh, Celtic influences in it. Um, and of course the Walloon has also had its um, influences on the Maastricht. We have one very much used, many often used uh, Celtic word, that's bai. Oh. Yeah, which means horse. horse. I didn't know that. Ah. That's where that comes from. Okay. So it's the same as cheval, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but then it's chevai, bai. Okay. Which comes from not from the Roman but from the Celtic. I know my dad is uh, Scottish and he doesn't speak um, Scottish Gaelic or anything, mm-hmm. but he noticed that Kirk, Kirk, mm-hmm. is that closer than Kirk? <laughs> like Kirk is what he would call a church right. in mm-hmm. Scotland, and Kirk is church here. So mm-hmm. he said, "I know what that means," <laughs> when he visited. So I I don't know if that's related. Um, or if it's a coincidence, but I, I mean, I don't... I think that's a coincidence. I think church is uh, <laughs> Germanic and then there's this yeah. other And uh, Gaelic, going Gaelic on. precedes that. Yeah. yeah. But Walloon is the same as Wales. Okay. And it just means Celtic. Yeah. Um, so there was this... And this, this furthest back I, I'll go. The Walloon movement was inspired by the Flemish movement because the French was the, the, the main language of Belgium. But of course, lots of speakers, people spoke Dutch and they wanted to emancipate themselves and they began to say, well, we are all Flemish. Okay. Um, even though if you ask somebody uh, 200 years ago in Brussels, <laughs> let's not get into this, please. <laughs> are you Flemish? You would say no. But um, so this, all this of gets, a sudden, really it, it's really complicated. It's really com- Whenever the southern, southern Netherlands are uh, involved, it's really complicated. Um, yeah. So there's this Dutch part of the country all of a sudden. So what you have against this Dutch part? Well, it's the Walloon part. It's all new. It's the Walloon part. <laughs> and um, the Maastricht elite looked at these people in Liege who began to write operas in Walloon, who began to write books in Walloon, who yeah. began to record um, local sayings. And they wanted to do the same. Mm. And why? Because they saw that the Maastricht dialect could be used against the, uh, the Dutch oppressors. Mm-hmm. And it's still used in that sense. Yeah. 
So what you felt like this, this, <laughs> this second yeah. barrier I have to uh, uh, cross. It is, it is there because the Maastricht people are still yeah, it's very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we don't, we don't think about it. No. No, yeah. It's not no, like it's I'm, not I'm going true. to speak dialects just just to uh, no. exclude somebody, but no, no, no. And generally speaking, the the dialect speakers will uh, shift to Dutch as yeah. as soon as there's someone in the yeah. group who doesn't speak the dialect. I mean, we're not we're not being rude about it, but it definitely has this has this element of of uh, wanting to express your identity. Uh, and also your identity as being different uh, of the one of the dominant culture, so to speak. Because, you know, this part of the country does have lots of reasons to, at any rate in the past, have felt oppressed mm -hmm. by, by uh, uh, Holland, yeah. the, the main power in the, in the Republic. And I don't think that's conscious with many people now. I mean, they don't really know that that's where it comes from. But there is this there is this funny mixture of both feeling intimidated and uh, uh, resisting yeah. the Dutch, yeah. and it's and it, it gets really entertaining when, as a southerner, you go to Holland and you get the comments from the Hollanders mm. uh, as they are now, because the only thing I heard from the Hollanders was why the hell did you leave that gorgeous <laughs> Maastricht? So yeah, okay. <laughs> I get that a lot coming from Australia. <laughs> They're like, why? <laughs> well, there's reasons. And that's something that I think, and as someone who is Australian and went through Australian schooling and learned about uh, obviously the terrible things that happened to our indigenous people, language played a huge part in that. Mm -hmm. And when you said that you weren't, allowed to I know you said before you weren't allowed to speak the dialect in school yeah it just it made it sort of clicked in my mind that obviously extremely drastic and violent version of that was mm -hmm. taking children and not letting them do anything mm -hmm. uh, in Australia the indigenous children um, and the stolen generation not letting them do anything related mm -hmm. to their culture so I think there is a strong um, imprint of that in people even if you don't immediately think about it there's sort of this oh I, yeah no but the, of course this this same colonial project was yeah. was executed here as well yeah. and, and and not not with the horrendous violence that the aboriginals have have had to endure uh, but that of course that is also because the the cultures were closer together yeah. you know when a stone age culture meets 18th century great britain you know that's not gonna work yeah. you, you know that but yeah it's the, the mechanisms are comparable yeah. I think the, the Maastricht people, uh, even when, when Lucy was a child, um, it's a joke, Lucy. Um, That's probably a statement of fact. So, you know, I'm just keeping my neutral face yeah, right. here. Yeah. Um, there's always been this, from, from 1770 onward, there's always been this uh, awareness. I wasn't, I wasn't a child then. No, no, I know, I know. People should know that Lucy was not a child in the 1770s. She was way older in the 1770s. But um, there has always been this awareness of the dialect. But yeah. if you see to um, the, on the other side of the border, in Belgium, all of the dialects, most of the dialects have disappeared. Mm. Because there, there really was this strong, um, they call it the taalstrijd. So it's the language battle, okay. uh, which was also um, 
<laughs> there's, I don't know if you know Voeren, that's a small country, part of Belgian Limburg, which used to be part of the Liegean province. I'm giggling, I'm giggling now because this is some tangent. I'm going to put... I'm some tangents, yes. Uh, people were shot during the 90s, I think it was. The 1990s? The 1990s, okay. yeah. So it was, in, in Belgium, it, it still is really a, a battle. And um, there, there had to be a strong Dutch movement that was 100% Dutch, like, like the, the language Dutch, Flemish. So that, that pushed away all the, the dialects. And um, in the Netherlands, well, in, 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 Nether in Dutch Limburg, I, I always want to say Netherlandish Limburg. But you could say that. But in Dutch Limburg, there is, uh, the dialect is normal, people use it, yeah. people are not ashamed of it. No. Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore, mm -hmm. but in Belgium they are still. Okay. Hmm. So you should not speak your dialect. Mm. And I, when I was uh, uh, with somebody from, from West uh, Vlaanderen, West Flanders, they all were very, very amazed of the dialect in Maastricht. And they said, but that's rude to speak dialect. Wow. <laughs> and when I and I called my mother in dialect when I was in in their in their home and um, you know, just discussing everything, and it was rude because they couldn't hear what I was talking about. <laughs> so that's that's really strange. So that's that's I think that's um, the way it was here like like fifty years ago mm. or, or twenty years ago, and. Um, I have to make up. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll get you some other time. <laughs> but um, that's 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 the, the the way the dialect is viewed in 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 Belgium, and it was viewed here until recently. Yeah, is that a like a class issue as well? Like, because I I know a lot of language stuff is it is obviously integrated in race and class and culture. Yeah, but I mean, I was I was giggling about <laughs> because Belgium is singularly complicated. Yeah. This is this has this has deep historical mm. roots and uh, there the, you know all all aspects of of, of power struggle, uh, you know the economic force mm. uh, waxing and waning and uh, yeah. states be uh, dynastic policies and you know if you if you want to tell the story of the of the past two hundred years of Belgium, we'll be here until sundown, <laughs> easily. It's very, it's very complicated. Yeah. But yes, this, this difference is very interesting. Yes. This, this disdain for the local language, which of course must have helped fuel support for the, um, the state language. Mm -hmm. So, and in this, in this case, Flemish, Dutch. Yeah. yeah. But it's because in Maastricht, the elites who, before they used Maastricht, they, they used French mm. to be other from the other yeah. Dutch. And um, as soon as they, they couldn't use this French anymore, they had to find another way to, to express their otherness. And they found this in, in the dialect. Okay. So that's also why you, you can find a lot of 19th century uh, poetry um, in dialect. Well, lovely listeners, you might have been able to guess with Lucy, me and Use on the podcast that this would turn into a two-parter. So this episode will be part one of our series on Maastricht dialect. Keep an eye out for part two next week. In the meantime, before we head off, 
I'm going to include a couple of clips of some songs in Maastricht dialect, so please enjoy them, and we hope you tune in next time. for joining us today and don't forget to follow us on social media you can find us on facebook by searching meet maastricht and on instagram at at meet underscore maastricht if you would like to learn more about us you can also visit our website at meetmaastricht.eu where you can buy tickets and subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you're always up to date thanks again and tune in next time to learn more about our beautiful city Tot ziens.